ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. Make sure you go and subscribe, follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, chuck us a five-star rating. That would be very much appreciated. Joined in the Zoom studio today for the first NFL recap show of the season. We actually had real football this week, just gone. Minnesota Jack, welcome to the podcast. A a buoyant, a jubilant Minnesota Jack. Yes, so, so excited to get stuck into all of these games. I think there's such a different feeling um, between watching just the Thursday night football game in isolation and just like watching that one game. And then the whole, like, you know, for us, Monday morning, afternoon, just like getting through all the games and checking out the scores and all of that. It's such a different feel. That feels like football to me. I'm sure you would agree. Like that's, that's the real NFL stuff. So, um, and there's, I feel like every result was crazy in its own way. It was a, an insane weekend of football in general. Um, I know you don't watch a, an absolute fuck ton of college football, um, and I have tried in the past but failed. But this year, my internet is fixed, and I can. Um, and you know, saw Appalachian State go in and and beat Texas A and M on the road. Uh, um, there was another massive uh, Texas almost unseated Alabama, which while not an absolute shocking upset. It was, would have been an upset. Um, Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. Um, Marshall beating Notre Dame. And so you're like, oh my God, how good's college football with all the upsets? It's a, it's a crazy circus. Well, the NFL then goes and, and, and gives us the pro football version on, on Sunday with results like the Giants knocking off the Tennessee Titans in the you know last moments. You've got the Steelers going into Cincinnati and, and blocking an extra point at the end to force overtime and, and ultimately go on and win it. Uh, there's upsets and crazy storylines all over the place. But Jack, it would be remiss of us not to start um, with the team that calls your heart home. And that is the Minnesota Vikings, who started life under Kevin O'Connell. I was going to say we could call him KOC, but that's cock um, for short. So let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but he plays with big cock energy, so I, right. I, I don't mind it. <laughs> let's do it. He's big cock. Yeah. But they started life under big cock, um, Minnesota, with a 23-7 to victory over the Packers in the big Viking ship. Um the Packers held scoreless in the first half. They held scoreless in the final quarter. Just the single touchdown. Minnesota scored in every quarter. They're up 17 to nothing at halftime. Uh, 20 to 7 going into the last. And as I said, running out 23 to 7 winners. Just to list off a couple of stats before I sort of tee off, tee you up to talk. Kirk Cousins went 23 of 32 for 277 and a couple of tutties. He was sacked once, made good decisions. Dalvin Cook. 90 rushing yards on 20 attempts. Alexander Madison actually rushed nicely on his eight carries for 36 yards. But Justin Jefferson, 11 targets, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. I'm in a sandwich bet with you. 
where the winner of this is this is a long this is plays out over a long time because it it, it oh, yes. comes to an end at the end of Justin Jefferson's career. I'm on the side that it was Randy Moss, I believe. Yes, Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. That Randy Moss, I believe, will still have more yards and touchdowns than Justin Jefferson yeah. when Justin Jefferson's career ends. I've got to say, it's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. But as it stands right now, Justin Jefferson is transcendent. Um, over to you for your thoughts on, on this game. Yeah, it really couldn't have been a much better result for the Vikings. I think the only real uh, negative takeaway, I guess, was that it was only 23-7, to 7, that we didn't really pile up the scoring in the end. Um, but I think when the second half came around, um, there seemed to be a bit of a less of urgency and trying to just control the game, which we ended up doing. The issue last season was that we were doing that offensively. We would kind of have a bit of a lead and then we'd play a little bit more conservatively um, into the second half. But our defense would give up scores and we'd end up losing that lead. What was really pleasing this time around was that we were able to get a 17 to nothing lead and then just kind of add a few scores here and there. We ended up with two more field goals after that. But our defense stood up and only allowed the single touchdown that kind of came in garbage time anyway. I think I said it on the podcast earlier in the week. What I really wanted to see was the defense improve. We know that this offense is really, you know, high-powered. There's amazing personnel everywhere. We know that from last season. And so to see Kirk Cousins play really comfortably and Justin Jefferson just ball out, while it was possibly more than we might have expected in week one, the idea that those two guys, and if you add Dalvin Cook as well, who had, like you said, a sneaky um, Mm. good running game, um, we kind of expect those guys to have these sorts of games. The question for me was this defense. Defense was horrible last year. We we added some players, but not like a complete roster change-up. So how is the coaching going to change? How are the schemes gonna go, going to attack this Packers offense? And we did really well scoring-wise, like kept them to seven points, was really impressive. I think we ended up sacking Aaron Rodgers six times. Um, just an impressive defensive game overall. And I know that the Packers were missing some guys on offense. You know, Lazard didn't play, who was going to be their wide receiver one. Um and their two tackles were missing. So a little bit is that, that the Packers were maybe not the strongest on offense. But, hey, you, you, you play with the cards you dealt, and the Vikings on defense did everything right. I was just so, so impressed. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see um, how the Vikings go throughout the season and go, okay, was this a bit of an outlier, or is this defense going to be – Good. You know, I think we're still really, I think our weakness is at corner still. But if you're mm. good with um, deep in your secondary with Harrison Smith at safety, you're good with your defensive line, stopping the run in the pass with pass rush. If your corners aren't great, I'm kind of happy to take that. I'm happy with the rest. Well, and I mean, we'll get to this in our preview show, um, you know, in a couple of days time or a few days time where we, we preview all the week two action. The Vikings, you know, if you've got all these questions and, you know, often questions, you know, we get answers uh, to week one questions in week two. 
you're going to get the opportunity because mm. you're going up against the Eagles who put up near on 40 points um, yeah. on the Detroit Lions, a team that moved the ball through the air and on the ground. So um, I, I think we'll find out a lot about a lot of teams in week two, including the Vikings. But, you know, some, some great revenge game stuff uh, for Zadarius Smith, who had a sack, a couple of tackles, two QB hits. Jordan Hicks. One sack, 14 combined tackles, one QB hit, and a forced fumble. The The defensive line, as you said, played havoc. Um, there, there were three passes um, defended as well, like and an interception. But so I think everything looks really good. And one thing I would say to people on the Justin Jefferson front, I went out looking this morning What what you know for my spreadsheet. People should know I don't bet my own money. I don't bet my own money on, on this stuff. But I do keep a spreadsheet because I like to be, I like to prove myself right wherever possible in numerical terms against uh, the odds makers. Um, so in my spreadsheet, I have added today, Justin Jefferson MVP. Um, you can get that. You can get, Justin Jefferson MVP $76 return in the US. That's plus 7,500 odds. Um, but there's still like candy from a baby stuff. Justin Jefferson, most receiving yards in the league, uh, plus 420, which for us, Jacko, is $5.20. Like that's. This guy is yeah. elite. I, look, I don't, I don't know when the last time a wide receiver won MVP was, but like Justin Jefferson's the kind of talent who could do it. The problem is if he wins, if he has an MVP winning season, Kirk Cousins might steal it from him because he's the one throwing the passes and it's a QB league. But I couldn't find the offensive player of the year. Um, odds, don't know why. So I, I definitely take that. I definitely add that to my spreadsheet if I could. So that's just a couple of little nugs there. I'm. I'm really. It was a joy to watch. It was a joy to watch Justin Jefferson play. It was a joy to watch him at LSU, and it's. It, it was just a joy to watch him again. Jacko, just a couple of quick thoughts though. Like on the Packers, Aaron Rodgers went twenty-two of thirty-four mm. for one ninety-five, no touchdowns, an interception. He was sacked four times, according to Pro Football Reference. QB rating sixty-seven point six. Jordan Love came in, went four or five for sixty-five yards. It doesn't really say much about the, you know, the the state of the game at that point was. I was hoping. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, Christian Watson, he was targeted four times, two receptions, thirty-four yards. Now he he should have had a touchdown catch on what was that the first Packers play of the game? Deep ball to him, yep. right on the money, and he drops it. it would have been a walk-in score. The game would have been tied at seven all. Um. Romeo Dobbs, five catches, uh, sorry, four catches on five targets for 37 yards. He sort of started to be favoured towards the end of the game. What did you think about the Packers' offence? Is this is this something that's going to get better over the course of the season, in your opinion? I, I think it will. I think the fact that Lazard's going to come back at some point, I think, will really, really help that offence. And, you know, it's, this will be two, if not three years in a row where the Packers just like True. shit the bed in week True. one. True. Uh, and then all the narrative. I remember I can't time with COVID has messed everything up. So I don't know if this was last season <laughs> or the year before, but this was after all of the off season stuff with Aaron Rodgers and would he come back? Would he retire? And all that sort of drama going into week one. And then he had that three interception game and all the word was, Oh, Rodgers isn't in it. He doesn't love his teammates. Like, Oh, what's going to happen? And then he wins MVP. 
and they are the number one seed. So I'm not saying that this is is or isn't going to happen this season, but the point being that we've seen this story before where the Packers underachieve in week one and then they go ahead and dominate. Um, so I think that their offense is going to continue to improve. They're going to get their tackles back. Um, that offensive line is not going to get pushed around the same way that it did in this game. And Rodgers is going to build that trust. The kind of running theme with him and his receivers has been trust. And he, he he gave Watson an opportunity to to uh, gain his trust, mm-hmm. and he just he he dropped the ball literally. That, that so, was almost painful um, to watch because of oh. how much we know about Aaron Rodgers and the relationship with you know young wide receivers. It was it was sort of almost like you know the movie Black Swan. Um, you know, you can see Natalie Portman trying so fucking hard and Vince, Vincent Cassell saying, no, you are not doing it right. You must become the black swan. It's kind of like, that's what it was. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is really bad <laughs> because for Watson. Like, you couldn't have scripted it any better if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to stir up the fire and the drama between him and his receivers. First play of the game. Would have been a seventy-five yard walk-in touchdown, <laughs> and Watson just drops it. Like he didn't. It wasn't like he had to reach for it. And he didn't bring it down. Just in the bucket, perfect placement by Rogers. And then Watson isn't targeted again until the fourth quarter when the game was lost. So I think, yeah. But <laughs> to go back to our point about if they will improve, Rogers is not the kind of guy that's going to, you know, throw a fit and not throw to Watson for the rest of the season. You know, like I think they'll have these, well, I I do think they'll have these conversations and eventually he'll work his way into the game. If, if this becomes a season long thing where Watson gets barely any targets, Oh, I'm just going to grab a seat, get some popcorn and, and watch. I don't think it'll happen. I do think that, that that Rogers will show some common sense and will continue to give him opportunities. Um, but if that isn't the case, if this drama just keeps going throughout the season, uh, you just, you'll just look back to that first offensive play of the year and go like, oh, not only season-wise, but for that game, you know, the, the Vikings had a really good opening drive. Kirk Cousins mm. looked really comfortable, as he did the whole game, really. Um, just to quickly go back on the Vikings, like Kirk Cousins didn't put up monster numbers, but just the he just looked really comfortable and was able to make plays under no pressure, which I really liked. So the Vikings were going to have that drive, but if the, if the Packers responded, first play, touchdown, then you start to go, uh-oh, is this going to be a bit more of a contest? The whole game could have been different. So Watson, you fucked up royally. <laughs> Wow, and, and and you just feel you just feel because like I said, it's 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 different at different spots. If Patrick Mahomes throws to the rookie and it and it, you know, falls through his hands, the Mahomes response you feel like internally is ah, we'll get him next time. It I, I can't remember if it did, but in my mind the camera cut to Aaron Rodgers giving that dead yeah. stare. You know what I mean? You everyone knows the Aaron yeah. Rodgers look, um, and. Yeah, so I just think it was the context of it. And like you said, you couldn't have scripted that better. Um, so credit to the people who script right for the NFL. Um, so <laughs> we've uh, let's let's go somewhere else. Do you, uh, I mean, 
I watched the Steelers Bengals game. We don't. You, I don't know if you got to see that. Um, I don't know if we need. No, to No, go... I didn't. But go ahead and speak. Speak your. Speak your speak Steelers. Because there's a lot to talk about in that game. Yeah, well, well, there isn't. There isn't. I suppose in one sense, this like to me looked like the Steelers from the last two years. Really, um, the offensive line still sucks. Um, they are really bad. Still, the offensive line still is really bad. The the offense itself is still quite bad. It's bottom third of the league. Um, you know, it was funny. We were following the scores because we actually got together in person. Good Lord, what is this? Mm. Um, you know, we're able to get together in person and watch this game. Uh, not watch this game, but watch, you know, probably five or six games on the weekend. Um, and you know, we, I chose not to watch the Steelers live because I was just too in my feelings about it all. I was just like, let's just watch something else. We'll watch other games. And so we're following the score. And it's like, they went up, you know, 7 nothing early. And then, they, you know, they get to 17-3 mm. lead at halftime. The context that you don't get on those score updates on, on the, the ticker tape at the bottom is that the opening touchdown was a 31-yard pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, so amongst mm. their the, the two touchdowns that they scored for the day, one of those was by the defense and, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, Trubisky, you know, was, wasn't terrible. But he wasn't great either. Twenty-one of thirty-eight for one ninety-four, a touchdown and no interceptions. Only the one sack. Uh, I think his legs. I think we've got to utilize his legs more. He only had three rush attempts on the day. Najee Harris, ten carries, twenty-three yards on ten carries. Um, it was laborious work on offense. Pat Frymuth had a nice, a nice day. Um, five catches on 10 targets, 75 yards. But the defense is where it's at, man. So for the context of anyone who needs me to con contextualize it, you know, the Steelers are up 10, uh, 20, uh, 17 to three at halftime. They're holding a 20 to 14 lead as the, the Bengals charge back. They'd intercepted Burrow four times in the game. They sacked him seven times in the game. They forced fumbles. The defense looked improved. Um, in terms of their coverage ability, um, you know, I think they've 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 walked around a lot on reputation the last couple of seasons. This Steelers defense, um, but they they really they really did a great job. Um, Pittsburgh's defense. Um, so the Bengals hit a touchdown as time expires in the fourth. So they've got to go back and get their PAT. Minka Fitzpatrick charges off the line and blocks the the point. The team's trade missed field goals in overtime before Chris Boswell finally hits the winner. Um, a bizarre game of football, but uh, the Steelers, uh, TJ Watt is now out for some amount of time with a pectoral mm. injury. That's massive. Probably, you know, if you go around the league and look look at the the biggest impact non QB players, you know, you'd say probably Justin Jefferson in in the Vikings, TJ Watt for the Steelers. Um, but I, I look, I'm happy to get the win. I'm happy that they went in and got the win. I don't think it tells us a great deal. I think the Steelers are who they are. They're going to be a really tough out most weeks. Um, it doesn't look like the offensive problems have been worked out. Um, they. But they're still going to be a nasty team to play against. You're not going to want to play against them. They may sneak into the playoffs. 
Um, and if the offense ever came together, they could be really dangerous. But Cincinnati, I think they're going to have better days than this. I, I don't think this indicates long-term problems. So, look, that's just my thoughts on the game. As I said, you didn't get to watch it. I don't know if you've got any questions for me about it, or if not, we'll just spin into well, another game sort of thing. You know, One thing that I do wonder um, is, is how Joe Burrow is going to respond. You know, like you come off a Super Bowl loss mm. and then you play the way you do where you throw four interceptions. Um, you just wonder, or I wonder how he's going to respond, not just next week, but throughout the season because there's so much pressure on that organization and that pressure ultimately funnels down to him because he's the chosen one. He's the generational quarterback. He's he's Joe Cool. Like he's the guy, and so there's already all this pressure on him. And I just wonder how he's going to handle that pressure. Not uh, he's handled pressure his whole career, so I don't like doubt his ability to. But I just wonder with that kind of week one performance, how he's going to to go with that with that team and throughout the season in that division. I think historically you look back at how Joe Burrows responded, um, you know, to, to bad games, um, you know, back at LSU in 2018, in his first year as a starter, he threw no touchdowns, two picks at Florida. The team lost 34 to 19. The next week they played Georgia, who I think were ranked, I don't know, top four in, in the, the country. And, while he didn't throw any touchdowns, he didn't throw any picks and, and he was just kind of, he, he was meticulous in how he ran the offense. Now, there's not many games in his career in college. I, you know, I'm just going back and look, looking at his games here. I, I count two games with multiple interceptions in his college career. Mm -hmm. um, there weren't many matches where you saw him throw two interceptions, let alone four. Now, he's not going to have to play this Steelers team Every week. That's what I will say. Yeah. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick's interception was an absolute ball hawking play. Waiting, waiting, jumping. Like literally he was, he was flying through the air to jump in front of the receiver, pick it off and then take it straight back to the house. Um, TJ Watt made a ridiculous interception at the line. Like it was thrown full speed and he somehow snagged it in his bread basket. Um, the Steelers Does it make have you this... feel better about the Steelers' defense um, with TJ Watt out? The fact that all these other guys stepped up, like obviously, as you said, Watt being out for you know a month or however long he's out mm. for is massive. But is it at least company going? Well, the Steelers' defense was great. Not saying the Steelers' defense was great because of just TJ Watt. There are a lot of yeah. players that made contributions. Uh yeah. Look, it does, and like Alex Highsmith had three sacks um, for the Steelers. Mm. on the afternoon like so Minka Fitzpatrick too it wasn't just the pick six you know he also had the most tackles 14 tackles um 10 of them solo um had a Keller Witherspoon had, had a so Cam Sutton a Keller Witherspoon Minka Fitzpatrick TJ Watt all got interceptions Alex Highsmith three sacks nine tackles Miles Jack looked good 10 tackles and a pass defended you had Cam Haywood get three QB hits and a sack. I mean, everyone got a sack um, on the on this Steelers defense. <laughs> but look, I'll I'll be honest. It it the issue for me 
has been much less the defense and much more the offense. And they still haven't got things figured out there. The offensive line is really, really struggling. Um, and they're lucky that they had a movable quarterback um, because Trubisky was sacked only one time. I think it would have been a lot worse um, if if Big Ben was was still there. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't know what it means, really, for the Steelers. Like I said, my, my opinion hasn't changed about them. I love watching their defense in the same way that I love watching the Chiefs' uh, offense. Uh, I love watching the Steelers' defense because they are so aggressive. They are so fired up, and they have a habit of doing this. They did this to the Bills last year in Week 1. You know, they went, mm. went and, and upset the Bills. So I think the Bengals are going to be fine, and, and I think that you actually have a pretty good chance for the Bengals to get right uh, in Dallas next week um, against the Cowboys. Um, Speaking of the spreadsheet, Bengals favored by uh, minus six and a half. Um, That for me against, uh, even if the Cowboys defense plays well, you're still going up against Cooper Rush. So it's like, I don't know. And by the way, I I put it in the spreadsheet at uh, minus six and a half. It had already grown to minus seven and a half by the time I checked it again this morning. So yep. I think that I think that's going to get up to your eights, potentially nines um, mm. by game day, possibly. So where do you want to go now? Where where do you, do you have games that you want to talk about? Surely, if not, I can... surely we address the mm. elephant in the room, please. The, the coffee in the room, shall we say? Okay. With the, the, the Monday night football Seahawks oh, and the Broncos. Because the Geno Bowl. This is quite fresh in my mind because I just watched um the game uh last night uh mm. and a couple of the highlights again this morning, just because there's yeah, there's a few things to talk about. But shall we just address the the spread? Yes. I mean we, we made pretty clear last episode i was very confident that the broncos would just demolish the seahawks you know but the fact that the seahawks came out not just covered but won the game <laughs> um it still blows my mind even watching it i'm going is this is this real is this really the denver broncos team that people had picked for the super bowl mm. like yeah th- there's a ton to get into but how, what, what were your thoughts of watching that game and the result that we ended up seeing where the Seahawks <laughs> were possibly the worst team of the year and go out and beat possibly the best team of the year? The Seattle Seahawks may still be the worst team of the year. Like, that's yeah. that's kind of how I feel. Like, like to me, the, the whole reason I that I, I said, no, the Seahawks are going to cover this, and I think I said it on, on the thing, like, there's going to be some Pete Carroll black magic. Like, he he, he knows... He just gets his teams up for these games. I think mm-hmm. we referenced the game against the Patriots um, in 2020 in the COVID year where they, they yeah. stopped. We referenced the stopping Cam Newton on the goal line to win the game. And and, and that's what they did twice. <laughs> twice the Seahawks stopped the Denver Broncos. Like they had three or four goes at it down on the goal line and they couldn't get it in. This is just, I thought you could feel it from snap one for the Broncos offense mm. where the crowd was a fucking cauldron. It was a cauldron of sound. And it, it was just like, this is going to be really tough 
really tough for the Broncos. Now, I think some hideous game management from the Broncos at the end cost oh. them the win. That was that was horrible, d- d- horrendously bad. Uh, we can get to that, but uh, look, it, it played out kind of exactly how I thought. I just thought that it was going to be this heightened experience. But the Seahawks may only win two or three more games this season. Like I li- like, mm. we're all very happy now. I'm obviously happy because it you know it, it's nice when you make a you know prop and and you you know you you get on the right side of it. But but that doesn't change like the fact that this Seahawks team can still be really bad. They gave up a, a, a lot of yardage on the ground. Like they gave up mm. an absolute shit ton of yardage. They allowed the, the, the Broncos to go for 29 of 42 for 340 yards. They gave up 103 yards rushing on the ground. Um, I, I, it was the, the result. They were more than the sum of their parts. That was how I felt about it mm. anyway which is kind of what I was kind of gambling on. But that's not going to that's not gonna make you a playoff team, in my opinion. I don't know how you Oof. felt about it. Yeah, it, 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 like you said to me uh, off, off air, um, just such a dysfunctional game. Like yeah. neither team was able to, <laughs> to get a role. Like I will say the Broncos, like pivoting from what the Seahawks gave up into mm. what the Broncos were able to produce – Broncos actually moved the ball pretty well, especially in the first half of the yeah. of of the field. Like up to the fifty yard line, they were moving really well. It's once they started to get into Seahawks territory, they just kind of fell apart, and they weren't able to move the ball as effectively. And then once they got into the red zone, two fumbles. Like it, it's it's just in it's insane that they were able to move the ball really effectively and then just completely capitulate and fail to do anything. And then there's the penalty yards they gave up. I think they gave up a hundred yards in penalties, like such an undisciplined performance by the Broncos, both in terms of, of uh, executing the game plan in Seahawks territory and at the goal line, but also in terms of penalties, like they just killed themselves. And then, like you said, game management, time management. Oh. Like, the game's on the line. And Nathaniel Hackett's like, yeah, let's just waste 30 seconds just to call a timeout. Half a end. minute. Half a minute. Surely you call a timeout, go, okay, big play here. What do we do? Let's sort it out. Let's talk it through with your incredibly experienced and talented quarterback that you've just acquired. Let's just take a timeout and let's talk this through. Instead, you just waste 30 whole seconds just to call a timeout anyway. And then with fourth and five, you decide to kick a 64 yard field goal. It would have been an NFL record. Like it makes no sense to me. And it's not like you're in Denver. Maybe you have an argument if you're playing in Denver and you're like, ah, the higher elevation, maybe, maybe that gives you an extra five yards, but you're playing in Seattle outdoors. Like it, it makes no sense. Give Russell Wilson the ball to execute on fourth and five. When I think the um, Broncos were averaging like six and a half yards a play. Mm. So <laughs> statistically, or, you're more than likely to pick that up. Or, or the, you know, the other thing, I can get it if it's fourth and, and, and 10 or something crazy. You know, if you're mm. fourth and 10, you're like, look, this is a big gamble. We think, you know, um, is it Brandon McManus? Is that the kicker's name? Yeah. I think. 
you know, we, we think he can, you know, we think he can drill this, um, you know, and, and, and I kind of get that in some ways, mm. in some ways, but it's the setup of it. It's like, okay, you've just sort of, you know, you're just across midfield, um, you know, it's fourth and five, you've got plenty of time, you've got plenty of time out. I, I was stunned. And, and as someone put it, I can't remember who it was, whether it was on the broadcast or not, Someone said, so in that moment, Nathaniel Hackett trusted his kicker to make a record-breaking NFL field goal more than he trusted the multi-million dollar quarterback mm. that they just brought into the building. Like, that to me is just a mismanagement of five assets. Five yards. Five yards. Five yards. That is nothing. It, 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 I don't know if you saw the, um, the uh, Peyton and Eli broadcast of the game. But um, you can see in the moment that like Peyton and Eli and I think Shannon Sharp was um the guest as well. Yeah. They're all talking about what we're talking about, making up, make, bringing up the same points. But you just see Peyton like for the audio listeners like putting up the timeout signal, like he's like, yeah. come on, just just call a timeout. He's like a, a, a YouTube commenter he's put it dying. Like, he's like the dad who's like in the passenger seat of his son who's learning to drive, and he's just like putting on the imaginary brake yes. signal, like come on, just yes. just do the right thing here. And they're just not doing it. It's just a comedy of errors. It's a comedy of errors. uh, It is a comedy of errors. Errors. And you know what's funny is you know I look at I look ahead, and I know I'm talking about this a lot, but I'm I'm in my spreadsheet research thing. But you know I'm looking already at the Seahawks plus nine and a half at at San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Ah, are we sure? Are we sure? Like, like. Again, Pete Carroll, like, here we go. Here's another storyline. No one's going to give us a chance in here, boys. You know, going down to San Francisco, Trey Lance did not look comfortable. Trey Lance did not look comfortable. And and, and just to, I guess, to talk about that Seahawks defense momentarily, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, But, you know, that's kind of the game that they've played the last few seasons is to let, it's, it's red zone roulette. It's we're just gonna we are gonna be happy to let you have these long drives down the field, but then once once the field tightens up down in the red zone, we back ourselves to stop you to make mm. plays to get turnovers, and that's exactly the recipe that it was yesterday. So I'm interested to see what happens when the Broncos come up against a team that doesn't function like that, a team that is gonna be, you know, m- more conscious, I suppose, of not giving up yardage all across the ground. I really don't think the Seahawks cared that much. The main objective was let's try and mm. sack the fuck out of Russell Wilson. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 hey, we'll stop him in the red zone if we get the chance. Um, so I like that, that, the four, that I like the Seahawks at plus nine and a half oh, yeah. um, to cover down in, in San Francisco. But I don't know. Do you want to pivot and talk about the 49ers? Uh, my only like last thoughts about the Broncos is that I didn't really get the hype coming into this season. I, I don't understand. Like we're still waiting. Like Jerry Judy ca- caught his first touchdown in two years of playing in the NFL. Wasn't that what they said? Mm. It was something, you know, yeah. I, I just don't think they had the weapons. I actually had the funny thought. It's like, I, I considered tweeting this, but I didn't want to get like angry responses from everybody. It was like, fuck. You know, watching this game, can you imagine Russell Wilson, you know, playing with the weapons that the Seahawks have? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if, oh. you know, if, if instead he was throwing to Jerry Judy and, and, and Sutton, 
Can you imagine if this guy got to throw to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Uh. Um, <laughs> but, but do do you want to let's let's talk about some other games? Let's where do you want to mm. go? Like, do, do we want to talk about that 49ers Bears game? The the main sort of part of that being that the the Bears upset the 49ers. Um, do you want to talk? Yeah, that? I mean, yeah. I, I reckon we'll we'll talk about it in the. I feel like of the games that we watched, right? Mm. The games that we watched together just felt so weird. Yeah. Cause we had it on the second screen, so we didn't have yeah. the broadcast on, but we were like checking it um, all the time. And it just felt like, Oh, Justin Fields and the bears. They're just not, not moving the ball. Like nothing's mm. happening. And then San Francisco didn't look great. Trey Lance looked uncomfortable and, you know, but made a few good plays and a few good throws and they just looked better. And then like all of a sudden we just look at the score and we're like, Oh wow. The, the bears are going to win this game. Yeah, this yeah. game out of nowhere. It really snuck like, up. All of a sudden the bears were just winning the game and not because, Oh wow. The bears are playing much better. They didn't look like they were playing much better just for whatever reason. I'd almost like to go back and watch the game, like fully focus on it now because mm. on the second screen, you would have just thought that the 49ers would have won, you know, by three or, you know, a touchdown. It was crazy. It, it was. And, and, you know, these, I'm just doing the quick, quick math in my head. The, 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 the combined passing lines uh, was 21 of 45 uh, for 285 yards with two touchdowns, <laughs> two picks. So the look, quarterback play was pretty fraught. Um, uh, look, look, it's sort of an underrated storyline that San Francisco have so many rookies, um, you know, involved and new faces on that offensive line. They gave away 12 penalties to three. Um, they went eight of 17 on third down and zero of, four, uh, zero of two on fourth downs. The Bears, five of 14 on third down. So they weren't much better. This was a hard watch in terms of the offense, but it was a fun watch in terms of the chaos. Um, you know, Trey All the Lance, wet weather, like oh, just hilarious to watch. It was, it was, it was like they were playing in a swamp. Like literally, it was just water mm. sloshing everywhere. So, so once the 49ers fell behind, um, you know, and and this game got to halftime at seven to nothing to the 49ers. Um, for, for some context, and I was on the over mm. 40 and a half, so that, that died pretty quickly. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a sad, that was a sad, <laughs> that was a sad death. <laughs> Just watching um, the, the over slowly <laughs> slip away. away. Yeah. Um, uh, so, like, the Bears rally, they outscore the Niners 29 to 3, uh, sorry, 19 to 3 in the second half. But, like, to me, this doesn't, this is another one of those weird games. I think I learned more about the 49ers than I did the Bears. Like, I think mm. against any team that can put together a semi-functional offense, this the Bears will struggle because their offensive line was absolutely um, just... Uh, it was a problem, and they're, they're lucky. Like, mm. the Steelers are lucky. They're lucky that Justin Fields c can move around, is what I would say. What we are sort of... What did you think of the two quarterbacks? I, I thought it was gutsy of Fields. Fields gutsed it out. He, where I felt like Trey Lance shrank as the moment approached, 
Justin Fields seems mm. like that dude in the way that he 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 steps to the fore when when the moment is there. Yeah, I thought Fields was well. He was under pressure all day. It kind of reminded me of Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, which is like every time he snapped the ball, all of a sudden his offensive line just fell over, and he was like, "Oh, running already!" Like having to improvise from the get go. Uh, but but given that, yeah, I thought Fields just watching the two guys, Trey Lance and Fields, face purely just on this game, right? I know that different guys have different potential and wet weather and all that. Mm. But just on this game, I feel like I'd much rather have Fields under center for my team than than Lance. Fields felt like he was able to make plays both in the air and on, and on the ground. Like, I think he ran like 10 times that game. Um, like, he, he was able to go ahead and get some yardage when that's what you kind of needed. Like, all football games are, you know a matter of inches, but this one felt like just get something here. And Fields was able to do that more than Lance. Lance to me felt like he, this is what it felt like to me. Fields looked like he was taking advantage of the situation and the wet weather and the dysfunction and was making something of it. Even if it wasn't very much, he was still trying to make something of it. Whereas Lance felt like he was still waiting for the game to get easy. He was just yeah, kind that's, of that's, yeah. just still waiting for the, the, the receiver to make a good break and have an easy throw or for him to wait for an, a clean pocket. Um, and I'm sure he was fighting just as hard as fields like internally, mm. but the way it looked right, the way it looked is that Lance wasn't ready to, to get down and dirty. Whereas fields was a little more willing to, to, take the hits and and run the ball and 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 make the throws that maybe weren't weren't as easy as as you'd like. Yeah, and 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 I think that brings, you know, an interesting kind of point about experience too. Um, you know, mm. Justin Fields started 34 games in college at Ohio State. Um, you know, at the FBS level. Um, Trey Lance played at the FCS level and only started 17 games in his career. So half as much football. Mm. He only played one full season in 2019. Um, so uh, it is interesting. And I, I've felt for a while that Justin Fields is the dude. Like I think Chicago have their quarterback. And I think it showed when the moment was there. And I know uh, a friend of mine, Josh, uh, you know, he'll be over the moon because as as a Bears fan, it's you know in some ways it's like being a Jets fan. You know, or at times, you know, it's been like being a Browns fan or a Detroit fan. It's like you go into every season going, I don't fucking know what to expect. You know, like we don't have a guy, we, you know, we don't have dudes, we don't have... And and you've got a guy. You've got the guy. Fields can be mm. like... If the other things are good around him, I think you can win a lot of fucking games um, with Justin Fields and not just in the home and away season. I think this guy is a big game player, um, is Justin Fields. And I think he showed that, um, you know, at times in the playoffs in, in college, um, going back to some games he played against Clemson um, in the college football playoff. But, you know, Trey Lance looks real green still. Uh, and I guess that makes sense. This is his first year where it's like, this is your team. The interception when they trailed just 10 to 13 with seven and a half minutes left. Mm. Uh, sorry, with nine, it's about 10 minutes left in the final quarter. Intended for Juwan Jennings, 
intercepted by Eddie Jackson. He just didn't see Eddie Jackson sitting there underneath yeah. Reddit. It, it was a bad, bad um, pick. Uh, just a just he didn't see it. He didn't see the defense. It's the kind um, of pick there. that you throw in Madden when you press the wrong button accidentally. You're like, oh, I'm in triangle, <laughs> not circle. Yeah. And then you throw to the flat or something and you get intercepted. It felt like one of those ones where he just, like I said, just didn't see the football player right there. Yeah, and, and, and like the drive, the the way that you know the the Bears finished. So he, here's the here's how the game went for the Niners: fumble, punt, punt, touchdown, punt, end of half, field goal, punt, interception, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Here's so one, one they didn't make enough of it when they had the opportunity in the first half because mm-hmm. there was, I believe, an interception. Um, early by fields that they didn't capitalize on down um, in Chicago's territory. That they ended up punting, um, I believe, on that drive. Mm. Um, this is how the Bears went: punt, interception, punt, 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 touchdown, 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 punt. End of game. So when the when when the game was on the line, third and fourth quarter, Fields and and the Bears came through in a big way, and 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 their defense was was sneakily good. But we're going to learn more as we go forward. But I'm just I am happy for Bears fans. I am really happy for Bears fans because they had a punchline so often, like Detroit fans, like Jets fans, um, and you've you've got a guy in Justin Fields who looks who looks the goods. So now now it's about keeping him healthy and building a team around him like he, who was he throwing to yesterday darnell mooney and like yeah <laughs> like get him some receiving talent the you know I, I think the best thing could actually happen for the bears this year don't win too many games be competitive be in every game yeah. but draft high draft high go get the best wide receivers in the draft and 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 go from there or best offensive linemen and build that team because i, I think they're yeah Justin Fields has a chance to be really, really good. Um, I wanted to talk... Uh, there's another game or two that I, I'm keen to get to. Is there anything that's sort of burning mm-hmm. for you that we need to... Uh, uh, like, that you want to get to? Nothing burning. No, okay. it just, a, just a simmer. There's a couple that simmer for me, but you hey, seem please. like you have something that are, that are burning. So so go ahead. I'll, no, I'll well, no what's simmering? What's simmering for you? What's simmering? Well... I had a lot of expectations and a lot of hype going into the Lions and Eagles game. Yep. All purely in the head stuff, nothing based on any kind of reality. It was just, mm-hmm. I was all invested in the Lions and, you know, I watched a couple of the Hard Knocks episodes the morning of. So, like, I was just ready to go, like, ah. You're ready to drag the them into the ocean, man. Yeah, I was ready to see <laughs> the serpent of death rise above and and take someone. And yet, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it because on one hand you could say, you know, Lions put up 35 points, lost by a single field goal, you know, covered, which I was pretty. Yeah. That was your pick. That Uh, was your pick. You said cover. And it was looking a bit dicey there. There was a period, like I feel like a 10 minute period where the Eagles were just all over them. And it looked like the, uh, the, the, the bet was over and dead, but Mm. uh, thankfully the, the Lions rallied and, and yeah, lost by a single field goal in a high-scoring affair. So on one hand, you could go, this is something to springboard off, you know, like an honorable loss. But on the other hand, this is kind of the Lions of last year. It's the, the, 
I didn't really see anything where I went like, okay, this makes them different. They had a lot of these games where they were in it, they were competitive, but they just couldn't close. And later on in the year, a lot of these high scoring shootouts. So another part of me goes, are we just going to see the Lions be the same? Like I haven't seen that much improvement. Whereas the Eagles, you could say, again, kind of two ways to look at it. On, on one hand, they gave up 35 points to the Lions. You wonder if that defense is really going to be enough to take them places that they want to go. But that rushing offense is just multifaceted, high-powered, great players everywhere, playmakers. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, add a good passing game with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Like, that offense is is going to be tough for anyone to to account for. Um, So it was just an interesting watch where you felt like if the Lions could have just won this game, it would have like set their season up to not necessarily win the division, but make it really tough for teams to play against. But with all of that hype and all of the, you know, the preseason, like this is our year, all the heart and tears and souls that went into getting this team ready, they lose another close one and give up 38 points. It, it Look, I suppose on the plus side for, for Lions fans, you know, their season started kind of shambolically last year. They couldn't score and that sort of thing. And they were losing these heartbreaking games. And then as the season went on, they worked out some things on offense and suddenly they were in winning some, losing some sort of shootout style games. So it, it really, to me, felt like, oh, this is the Lions from the back end of last season. So mm. what I would say is it's good that there's, it's not been a regression like they've maintained yeah. some of the things that they've learned, but but it's time now to learn some new things because really, at half time this game was twenty four fourteen. At three quarter time, it was thirty eight twenty one. The Lions closed with the final two touchdowns of the game. Uh, <sighs> It's interesting. A, a lot turned for them after the Jared Goff interception. Goff threw a real horror pick. Mm. But then after that, he, was, he I thought he was pretty good. Um, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Now, I, I, put in the spread, I put in the spreadsheet, Jack, DeAndre Swift to be the 2022 rushing yards leader at 51. 51. So it's like plus 5,000, plus 4,000 something in US odds. It's already dropped to 21 for us from 51 mm. after one game. So I'm glad I put, look, he may not win. I'm glad I've got that on the spreadsheet. Um, DeAndre Swift had 15 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown as well as three targets for three catches for 31. Um, Jamal Williams is going to steal some of those red zone carries. He had 11 touches, 28 yards, two touchdowns um, in the mm-hmm. red zone. They would have liked some more, I guess, out of Armand Ross and Brown. Uh, he still had a decent day, touchdown, 64 yards on eight catches, but nothing sort of transcendent. But like you said, the 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 Eagles are dynamic. Hertz was 18 of 34 for 243, no touchdowns, no picks, 17 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. And we said early, if you can't find a way to stop him running, mm. This is over. And that's what it was. Because yeah. anytime you got them in short yardage or you know, you felt like you had the Eagles on the ropes, Jalen Hurts 
pulls out, you know, some sort of, you know, 10, 15 yard running play or picks up five or six yards with his legs and it's first down and the drive continues. Uh, I was just looking for um, the time of possession in this game. It's remarkably close, uh, remarkably close. So mm. there's some things to like for Detroit, I think, on offense. But it kind of concerns me that the defense is not better given that the gritty identity of the team that they're trying to build, like, they're involved in all these mm. high-scoring shootouts. It's like, this doesn't feel like the brand to me. <laughs> no, and you could possibly pivot with that sort of mantra if your defense is aggressive in terms of takeaways and yeah. sacks. You'd be like, okay, we'll, we'll give you yardage, but if you blink, we'll take you down. We'll, we'll gra- take the ball away. But the fact that they don't do either, like, I don't know if you've got the stats there, but I don't feel like they sack hurts. Um, they didn't seem once, to pressure him that once much. Once all game. They got One him. sack for a, for a quarterback that runs around like him. Um, and they just didn't seem to, yeah, put, to put it simply, the Eagles had their way with that defense. Didn't force a turnover. Detroit did not force yeah. a turnover. Didn't force a fumble. Didn't get a pick. Um so I think that they would be a little bit dismayed with that. Um, oh, we've got a raven chiming in somewhere. I don't know if you can hear that Is in that the Greg? background. Yeah, it's Greg wanting an egg. Um, so <laughs> I need a Greg, Greg sound drop. Um, mm. That's just Lamar Jackson saying, I'm still here, motherfuckers. Because um, mm. uh, he had a nice day too. Yeah, look, Lions, it's a bit of the curse of hard knocks. I watched... I watch hard knocks every year and I remember watching the Browns hard knocks and thinking, hmm, maybe this team could be competitive. And, and this year, you know, hard knocks you watch and you're like, fuck, you know, I'm ready to run through a wall for Dan, Dan Campbell. I guess the problem is that once you run through the wall, then you've got to play football. And, you know, this, this team has a lot of growth left to do. Uh, it's got a lot of learning left to do because although it was three points in the end and, and you, you know, we got the cover on the four and a half, mm. I, this, this wasn't that close. This never, this never felt like the Eagles were going to lose. Put it that way. No, no, it, 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 the Eagles were in control pretty much the whole game. And I really fear for Dan Campbell in that some organizations, if he puts up a similar year, even if, even if they end up with four or five wins, which would be an improvement over their three win season, I fear that Campbell's going to get the boot which would be really sad because he seems to really be a leader of men to give <laughs> out the, the cliched uh, saying, but like he seems to really have a good handle of that locker room. Um, and beyond that, like he has created a not maybe dynamic offense is too strong and too praiseworthy, but maybe the beginnings of something like, yeah. You feel like with with those receivers and that running game, if they just had an improvement of quarterback, because like Goff can play well, but like if they had a, like a really good quarterback for the Detroit Lions, that would actually be a really strong offense. All right, imagine this. you 2022 Detroit Lions currently lining up with Justin Fields at quarterback. Oh, yeah. Then then you've got a whole different team there. Justin Fields... The, a testament you know, to Fields and to that those weapons for Detroit. Yeah, Fields throwing to 
Amon Rasent Brown and DJ Chark and TJ Hawkinson and handing off to DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and being able to make mm. some of those plays that maybe Goff can't um, and, and just, a, you know, more of a talisman at at the QB position. But but look, I think that, that what you want to see some improvement on over the next month is the defense because this mm. takes me back to like Robert Sala in New York. It's great that you've got, you know, Zach Wilson. It's great that you've got, you know, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and, oh, there's excitement about Michael Carter and Brees Hall and you bring in CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin and you put up seven points in week one. Um, mm. I, I, now I understand that Wilson's not playing, but the problem all year last year was they were terrible on defense and he's a defensive head coach. I think that... Mm. I, not that, you know... Because I think uh, from memory, I think Dan Campbell's kind of got a mixed background. I think he was a tight end, and and I, I think he's he's, you know, coached a few different positions. I could be speaking out of my mm. ass there, but I just think the defense needs to show the improvement because I think they've got the offense leaning in the right direction. And if you, whether it's Goff or I think more likely next year, if they go out and add say Bryce Young through the draft or someone like that, this team could be a real real fucking handful but i hope they're patient because i think it takes a long time to turn around that culture of mediocrity and i think you can already see and that's something that comes out of hard knocks when you see them you know even cutting some of the guys at the end of the roster those guys are going i'm really excited for what you're building here even though you're letting me go i think what you guys are building here is special i think the way you're doing it is the right way and, and you know you're the players are feeling good but you got to win, or that, or, or you start to lose that sort of that equity you've built for yourself. Um, I think I'd like to just wax poetic for a minute about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, no Tyreek Hill, they what go a, what, four, a, what a performance! Forty-four to twenty-one, an absolute thumping of the Arizona Cardinals, who really only got the more ball moving once it was over. Once it was over, Jack, they trailed 37-7 to at home. Um, Patrick Mahomes was impeccable. 30 of 39 for 360 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He wasn't sacked. Um, you know, they, they ran the ball well uh, in, in this game. They had 27 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Um, the receiving was spread between Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 121 yards and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, six catches, 79 yards. Um, it, it was uh, I, like, what a day to be a Chiefs fan, really, um, because, you know, and then you had Isaiah Pacheco, their, their young running back, 12 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown. Going into our season previews, we both had concerns about the Chiefs. On the last episode we did before the season started, our too high, too low, I said, we're, we're, I felt I was wrong. We're too low on the Chiefs. They're, mm. they're going to be good and they're going to prove all the offseason hate wrong. Not much happened there to change my mind that this team isn't going to be one of the power brokers in the NFL in 2022. Yeah, it was a, just such a... The Chiefs just went out there and dominated from snap one. I felt, I think for me, the only question about the chiefs going into the rest of the season is 
where are their options for scoring? I think that's the only thing that I, I don't know what they're going to do without Tyreek Hill. How are they going to score? Yeah, who are they going to uh, throw to? But they got they got no guys. Like, how are they going to get 44 points? Um, but, yeah, in all seriousness, I think that the, the Chiefs just silenced all of the critics. They just went out there and, and, and won the game. And But really, I think the biggest story is Cardinals and how. It's a strong word, but I'm going to use it. How pathetic they looked. Yeah. They just didn't want to compete yeah. on defense and offense just across the board. 21 points is flattering for them. They, yeah. they, they, it really should have been 44 to seven in the end. And, and 44 is flattering. If the, they pulled, yeah, that's true. They pulled Patrick Mahomes in that last quarter. They, they, they could have hung 50 or 60 on this team if that was their, that was their mood. They, they had a turnover. Um, even the Chiefs, I'm sure, didn't they? Mm. The, there was a fumble lost. Yeah, there was a fumble lost, I'm sure, early in the game where they didn't capitalize down. I could be remembering it wrong, but I, I felt like they had it driving and, and, and got a fumble. The Chiefs mm. could have hung anything they wanted on this team because, as you said, it was pathetic. It was a really bad look. It was an uncompetitive look. And to me, it had far too many echoes of that loss in the playoffs last year. Mm. You know, that that was... Uh, Mahomes found eight different targets, on uh, eight different uh, receivers on the day. Um, they spread it around. <sighs> yeah, and the defense looked good. The defense looked really good um, for the Chiefs as well. They had, what, three sacks? Um the the, the the defense looked good and I I said that this would be a hard start to the season for the Cardinals. Why on earth they extended the GM and the coach and the quarterback? And then nothing looked changed. Nothing looked different. This looked exactly the same time. And you know, we we talked about well, there's a lot of heart to be taken for Lions fans because it, they you know they didn't regress from last year. They picked up where they left off, you know, so at least there's that. It's mm. panic for me, for Cardinals fans, because they've picked up where they left off. This looked yeah. like just a continuation of the playoffs where they looked like they didn't want to be there. So I'm concerned, man. I'm concerned. Yeah. The, the Cardinals <laughs> have a... There's a long road back to being competitive after this performance. Um, and Luckily... <laughs> the other issue for Cardinals as well is that they're they're they don't have a history of bouncing back. Like they tend to get in a bit of a role of disappointing performances. The, the the difference has been that those performances tend to happen in the second half of the season. So you could either go, okay, maybe they're just swapping and they're going to be shit in the first half and then improve in the <laughs> second, or they're just increasing and they're just going to be shit the whole season. I, I, I just, there, there's been so- they're a mind-boggling organization for me. The way that the decisions have been made, like I said, the extensions, I don't get it. I, I mean, luckily for them, they now have to go at Raiders against Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, oh, and they also then um, host the LA Rams. So there's a, a real, real, real possibility that this team starts 0-3 and the heat will be up on that organization on Kingsbury, on mm. Murray, on the GM. Well, I saw shots of um, uh, Michael Bidwell, the owner, sitting next to Steve Kime, the GM, in the luxury box. 
And I said to you, Steve Kime must be the fucking sweatiest man in the NFL right now. What yeah. conversation do you make with your owner after you give, like, you know, stupid money to the quarterback, you extend the coach, you get extended, and it's like, yeah, uh, we're uh, 37 to 7 down at home on opening weekend um, against the Chiefs yeah. who are meant to struggle without Tyreek Hill. Um, Let's do a couple of quick hitters because we've we've crossed the hour threshold. We don't mm. want to keep the good listener too long, um, so we'll, we'll just I guess a couple of quick hitters for me. The Raiders losing nineteen to twenty four to the Chargers. I thought the Chargers, you know, they did enough, but uh, you know could have done more. I really felt like they could have won this game by multiple scores. Uh, Derek Carr, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, two fumbles. For me, I'm. I don't know. There's nothing there that has proved to me that Derek Carr isn't Derek Carr, and that is that he's decent. He's definitely decent, and he linked up with Devontae Adams. You know, Adams had you know a, a fucking great game. Seventeen targets, ten catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. But what I would say is, I'm interested to see. I mean. I don't want to be harsh, but like I feel like I've seen, I know, I've got enough tape on Derek Carr. Um, mm. I think he's a league, you know, a league. He hovers around league average, sometimes rising above, sometimes rising below. You know, I'm putting him in that sort of 16 range, 16th. Sometimes he ascends up near the top 10. Sometimes he goes further down near the bottom 10. He's that sort of mid middling range of quarterback for me. Raiders fans will disagree, and that's okay. You're allowed to disagree, but. Um, I just think we're to the point now where new coach comes in. If this team looks like everything is there but the quarterback, I will, you know, by, by next season, if we're like, fuck, this team is loaded. Devontae Adams, the defense is, is, is feisty. Um, McDaniels, you know, works out the running game. But we've got Derek Carr throwing 22 touchdowns and 14 picks, um, you know, and, 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 you know, not having pocket awareness as he's karate chopped from behind and fumbling the ball and that sort of thing. I, I, think, it, I think it could be move on time. That's, that's my feeling. But yeah. that's week the, one. The Maybe next week he watch. comes out and throws four, four touchdowns and no picks. But I'm just saying I, I looked at it and was like, well, everything's as advertised for better and worse. Devontae Adams looks like fucking Devontae Adams. Derek Carr looks like Derek Carr. And I'm here for the Derek Carr redemption story. I would like to see him do well. I would like to see the Raiders do well. Didn't see it on the weekend. Um, Chargers look as advertised. Pretty good on offense. But I don't know. Some mm. weird problems. Some weird juju surrounds that team for me and Brandon Staley. Um, have you got a quick hitter for us? A game you'd like to give a thought on? Yeah, I'd love to just quickly touch on the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, not just yes. to say that I also hit the uh, the under correctly nice. on that game. Well played. Which I was very happy about. Yes. But uh, just don't quite understand the positive reaction towards the Buccaneers. I'm just reading a lot of like, yeah, good performance, good win by the Buccaneers, kept the Cowboys to three points. And that's Terrible true. Game. Like, I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying they, they, they were, were horrible, the Buccaneers. They definitely, yeah. You keep a team to three points. That's a pretty good defensive performance. But they just looked messy. They, uh, If they played 
as any good team, I feel like they would have lost playing that way. They just played the Cowboys, who I also predicted to play pretty terribly this season. Um, so, yeah, I just don't quite get why people are looking at the Buccaneers and going, yeah, horses for courses. Like, they're just going ahead and doing their thing. I actually thought it was a bit of a regression. Um, although I like the addition of Julio Jones. I think he added a bit of something that they need. If he wasn't playing, I feel like they might not have played the same way. Um, but especially now that Godwin's going to be out for who knows how long with that hamstring injury, um, considering he has hamstring history, uh, injuries, I should say. Everyone has a history of having hamstrings. Uh, he has a history of hamstring <laughs> injuries. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I just don't quite understand why people are being positive <laughs> in general, the world shit. Why are people being <laughs> too positive? much positive no, about, the, uh, about the Buccaneers uh, and yeah, the Cowboys? They were already, in my view, gonna be pretty dysfunctional this season. But to be with that press court for a, at least a month, if not two months, if you want to look at it on that other end of the spectrum, uh, just a messy, boring game of football. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree and. Yeah, the Cowboys are not the the greatest managed or like coached team uh, in the league. So I'm interested to see, you know, what happens in the coming weeks for Tampa Bay. They play the New Orleans Saints um, in New Orleans next week. I, I don't know what we learn there. Um, then they've got the Packers. Like this team could very easily. I'm just looking ahead. Get to like three and zero. The game where we'll see, the game where we'll see is week four, Sunday night football, Kansas City Chiefs at Tampa Bay Bucks. I feel like that's where we learn about, yeah. about the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'll just run through the other results uh, for us here from the weekend. The Saints beat the Falcons. They stole one. Uh, 27-26 in Atlanta. The Cleveland Browns, the Brownies, Beat the Panthers 26 to 24. Uh, we had the Houston Texans and the Colts drawing 20 to 20. Lovey Smith got conservative in overtime and punted for the tie. Um, after they held, I think it was 20 to 3 lead at one point in that game. Um, the Washington Commanders, the Commies, beat the Jags 28 22. Jahan Dodson looked good, wide receiver. Uh, for the Commanders, the Dolphins 20 to 7 win over the Patriots. Patriots, ugh. Horrible to watch on offense. The Ravens, 24-9 to over the Jets. Lamar looked like Lamar. Uh, where else we got? The Giants upset the Titans to destroy my Titans, minus five and a half. Um, on a t and, and look, the, 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 the spread was gone by that point, but the, the Titans still should have won this game. They should have had Saquon Barkley tackled um, on that two-point conversion to win the game. Um, and apart from that, Ballsy call from Brian Dable. Stones, cojones. Um, <laughs> I appreciated it. Don't play to, don't play. It could also be a sign of tanking, you know, as well. That, you know, like, well, <laughs> yeah. if we win, that's great. But if we lose, oh, well, uh, we'll get CJ Stroud or uh, Bryce Young in the draft. Mm. Um, so that's it. That was all the results that we hadn't covered. We covered a lot, Jack. We got to a lot as we went around um, the league here, all the results, we're going to be back in short order for you with a, um, a Thursday night football preview. The Chiefs and the Chargers. The Chargers at the Chiefs. And just for those of you out there who are numbers inclined, 
let's look back at our weekend. I went horribly in my um, total insanity and, and and super spreads pick. I lost out the Titans minus five and a half. Lost out on the over 40 and a half in 49ers at Bears. Did get Trey Lance interception um, call. Jack carried the banner for, for the pod, though, going under 50 and a half in Bucks at Cowboys. The Lions covering plus four and a half against the Eagles. Uh, and I won the coffee bet uh, of the Seahawks covering. So depending on who you followed, you might have gone four and two this week if you followed our picks, or you might have gone three and three. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, you've got to take that in this league with all the results we had this weekend. Absolutely. Um, so we will be back with more for you soon, guys. We thank you so much for listening to the JBSE. Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star rating. Follow us on Twitter. Until next time, guys, you've been great. I've been reasonable. It's the JBSE. Thanks for listening.